0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the CBGS podcast, brought to you by Aspen Waite I'm here today with Paul Waite in the chair next to me, and we have an interesting episode to you, for you today. We're going to be talking about R and D. It's an
1: interesting drill. Yes, very interesting. Very interesting. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening, good evening and good, evening good night wherever you are. Swapbacks.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so. We're gonna we're gonna kick this business um, episode off um, with actual all about what R and D is, what what it is, what opportunity it is for your company, and why it's so important in Aspen Weight World. <laughs> <laughs> what questions was that? That was uh, that wasn't actually a question. That oh, was just, okay. a, that was yeah. just uh, setting the scene. Yeah, setting the scene. So um, okay. yeah, well, we, we'll kick right off, Paul. Okay. so um so research and develop r&d stands for research and development Everything obviously is, yeah. <laughs> and for someone who has um, not heard about r&d before can you please
1: summarize what it is ah that's a very good question mm-hmm. um there's two answers to this question really because um there's well perhaps even three possibly um obviously uh you've got research which people i think most people understand what research means um which could be you know researching your holiday or researching some work for your exams or something uh, research itself can be um sort of scientific in nature like wondering where the universe originated how the big bang came or something um, or it can be what's called applied mm-hmm. uh so applied to a commercial project you know uh, a- cu- a company needs to develop a uh, a customer management system t- to look after its customers you know mm-hmm. so it's got an integrated system recording all all the information it needs uh, electronically, Mm. for instance, you know. So um, there's that. And, of course, development obviously means uh, the idea being developed. So Mm. the researchers are like, if you like, it's almost the idea, isn't it? And then development is taking the idea out there and and doing it. So the reason I say it's in two parts is... um, So if I gave you an example... um, a company may, for instance, be very accomplished in a certain field. Mm-hmm. That that market may be shrinking, or or about to be hit by technological change. You know, um, and therefore that company may decide that it needs to do something else. You know, either 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 um, to replace what's happening, or probably more commonly, as well as um, now maybe uh, that the information you know the know-how if you like the intellectual know-how of that process is clearly available in the market but the people in that company don't know it because mm. they're not you know so they could be a waste company but they're not trained asbestos carriers you see what i mean that will be a good example right so if they then spend tens of thousands of pounds becoming skilled asbestos carriers internally that might be a research and development project mm. and accounting wise they might account for it as research and development, and there will be nothing to stop them doing that. Mm. Then you come on to uh, the main reason why we're having this discussion today, which is the fact that in the UK, and indeed several other countries, um, there is this wonderful piece of tax legislation, which is uh, hugely overlooked, called R&D Tax Credits, which was um, put in place by the Blair government in 2000. And and, uh, even today... Um, only about 35,000 limited companies are, are doing it. So the second question is... How many
0: limited companies are there in
1: the UK? 5 million.
0: 5 million and only
1: 35,000. Yeah, if you said, you know, I don't know, half of those 5 million were, um, you know, doing something properly, just be prudent. You know, it's still, you know, it's a, a hugely minuscule proportion. So the second question is, it's not that it's... So it's accepted that it's research and development, but is it actually... Um, Qualifying is the Mm, word. mm. So, is is it research and development that the inland revenue would accept as being research and development? Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're talking about today. Mm. Um, So, most people, if you said to an average, you know, reasonably smart person, you know, what what do they think of when they're thinking about research and development? And certainly myself, I would probably think about some guy walking around with a white coat inventing a drug or something. Mm, mm. You know, I think most people would be comfortable. With that concept, yeah, you know. so
0: the scientific like uh, approach to
1: things, and, and and it's quite interesting. I mean, um, so this is a real statistic. The real, the big drugs companies spend over fifty percent of their time uh, on research and development, mm-hmm. researching new products. So it's the highest percentage I believe of any industry in the world. So um, I think the obvious examples of research and development, you know, are things like new drugs. But it could also be um, a brand new television or something, or a virtual reality mm. something or other. Mm. A Star Trek technology, you know, the ability yeah. to replicate a meal or something. You know, yeah. if someone invented that, that would clearly be brand new technology. Something that's
0: not there
1: already. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's um, the internet revenue. The Inner revenue's definition of um, research and development is basically um, so what they what they expect are, is for people to um, app- appraise the market. Look to see what is out there already. Understand what you know, what what the market is all about. Uh, understand what they're trying to do. Clearly understand that, and ideally be able to document it. Uh, form a plan as to what the R and D is trying to do. Uh, so set an objective as to what your research and development program is, is aiming to do. And then, um, as the project starts, uh, the revenue expect you to be document and clearly understand. challenges that you faced in accomplishing your goal and they refer to those as technical and scientific challenges technical and or scientific challenges Uh, so really when I'm talking to clients I I say to them it's probably all those moments in the year where you weren't quite sure what to do next Mm. yeah Mm. in fact I was talking to a new client yesterday in uh, Bristol Golf Club who'd driven from London to see me and he said to me and he's a very skilled IT um, operator and he said that he gets 50 to 100 problems a day to solve wow for instance you know mm. now I'm not saying all of those are R&D but um you know so it could be a a a, a house builder um they do you know, they do a tender on the basis that the soil is you know 90% clay or something and they in practice they find that the sand seven feet down or something do you know what I mean? Mm. or water leaches into the soil so the the whole development is now different to what they thought it was, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. uh, the winds blowing from a certain direction they weren't anticipating or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so it's very, very important that you have a clear project, a clearly defined project uh, with clearly defined challenges. Uh, one of the things which is um, very interesting is that projects are allowed to fail. Mm-hmm. So, actually, the legislation actually says attempt mm-hmm. it doesn't say you have to succeed. Mm-hmm. It says basically a business which attempts to do something, attempts to make a te- technical or scientific advancement is the word. Right. So you're trying to, you're making an advancement. Uh, now, of course, th- the reality is that the the commercial world is rather different to the rather convenient world the inland revenue think we live in. <laughs> you know, so I, I would suggest very few people would sit down and say, "I'm going to make this." And that's going to give me this new science. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I'm consciously aware that these are all the sciences that I'm involved in here and that uh, I'm gonna studiously know what they are and uh, and then I'm gonna document uh, the scientific advancements I've made. Yeah. You know. It, yeah. it, it, it,
0: it, it's more uh, a natural process yeah. in the country. It's more
1: you know, it. so for instance, uh, I had a fantastic conversation yesterday with a potential new client that's invented a range of highly innovative mining machines at very affordable prices. And smaller than the main, so you know, in that case, um, the, the the inventor, you know, had a very clear idea of what he was trying to do. Mm. You know, in a clear project. He he could see that you know, there's mines all over the world. Uh, in fact, um, through through our network, one of the opportunities that's now presented itself is opal mines in mm. Australia. Uh, bizarrely, uh, I was watching um, Australia with Julian Bradbury last night. It was a program I particularly like. Uh, and lo and behold she went and saw an opal mine i couldn't believe it so oh, the same wow. day <laughs> as i've been having a it's not you exactly talk about opal mines every day yeah. Is it? so yeah in this in this chap's case he had a very clearly defined project it was you know it was obvious what he was trying to do he was trying to produce uh machines of a certain size uh ones that could produce say 10 tons an hour or whatever so those those are, are, are pretty obvious projects really and um Particularly if you have anything formally to go with that project, such as a patent or a uh, trademark or copyright, mm. the Inland Revenue tend to find that highly persuasive. Mm-hmm. And also probably the more powerful third-party documentation you can get to support your project, mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll come on to, to record-keeping and everything in a minute. Um, now, uh, where we sit in the market is, uh, and I genuinely believe this, is, you know, as we discussed earlier, uh, a very small percentage of companies are actually doing R&D claims. Um, and there's, there's lots of reasons for that. But Not
0: doing R&D, doing R&D
1: claims. So, yes, yeah. yes, they're, they're doing R&D. Yeah. They don't know they are, yeah. they? Or yeah. In some cases, actually, they do know they are. I mean, it, it, people never cease to amaze me. Um, I was talking to... Um, I was talking to uh, Judy Kingham yesterday, How our, our tax... our venerable tax manager... And she was telling me about a friend that was doing R&D and he won't let us do a claim because he's worried that the revenue will be all over him. Mm. And you do hear, you know, people saying things like that. Uh, So you've got, you know, a lot of... There's there's probably about 10 different types of ignorance that come into Mm -hmm. why people don't do R&D claims. But going on to the main theme, because you're asking me what's R&D all about. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally of the opinion... And it's almost impossible for any dynamic business not to be doing research and development. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things I've actually done uh, in a, as a live lecture is to have like 50 chief executives in a room with me mm-hmm. and ask them to tell me what a company would have to look like to do no R&D. And that's quite a good way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I think, for people who find problem-solving quite difficult, for instance, uh, I think quite often... Um, Turning around and, and instead of trying to get to a yes, almost say, "Could you not do something?" Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm. You know, um, there's, there's a big difference between knowing you would do something and what you might not allow to happen instead. If, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. so it's that's, that's, that's quite a good way of of doing things. So, if you, I thought, if you, if you, if, if you turn around to most people, so in in this in this case study with fifty chief executives, uh, I actually asked at the start of my disc, uh, of my pr- presentation how many people thought they were doing R&D, and two people put their hands up out of 50. Wow. I then asked five questions, and I think 49 people said yes to all five of them. Which means (laughs) R&D. So things like, you know, um, is your marketplace changing? Do you have competitors? Mm. You know, is there technological change in your sector? Do you have to invest in new equipment, new technology in order to progress? do you consider you're better than your competitors give me examples of how do you invest in training you know Mm. Um, now if you think about a business that would be doing R&D it would probably be something like uh, a business that um, produced Victorian something or other in the same style as they did and it was a manual process do you (laughs) see what I mean and and it didn't ever change because people just wanted that that look you know uh, might be quite a narrow market... or it could be a, it could be a market dominated by one, 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 one person or business. Um, so I'm of the opinion, actually, so turning it around... I, I, it's almost impossible to conceive that any dynamic business... let's call it that. So a growing dynamic business um, is almost certainly doing R&D. And mm. and, and i have said on, many times on the record that I could do a claim for anybody. Mm. The difficulty, which is the real secret in answering your question isn't whether they're doing it, it's getting them to understand they're doing it and yep. getting them to tell you what it is they've done which is yep. doing it if you see what mm-hmm. I mean and, and and that's mostly educational because uh, as I say the, the overall feeling about what is research and development is something quite dramatic mm-hmm. you know a new drug a new machine or, or whatever it was now but what it actually entails is a whole wider well in reality it, it could be something quite subtle you know yeah. um, so quite often for instance um, people will uh, they, so they, they want to. Go, they want to buy something off the shelf you know mm. once it's pretty available in the market but it doesn't however they got, their they've got they've got say five five or six requirements they expect mm. from whatever it is and um, they the closest thing they can get does four of them yeah say or three or whatever mm. so you know you'd be amazed how resourceful people are um I've got a client in Wales who actually bought a truck for two hundred thousand pounds and cut it in half. <laughs> Can you believe that? Wow! You're incredibly uh, indicative of a entrepreneurial spirit yeah. I thought, as well.
0: <laughs> cut, it
1: cut it in half, and made it bigger. Oh wow! It wasn't as long as he wanted it to be. Oh, so, okay. you know, that's, that's that's a good example. So, quite often, the key word in research and development isn't in fact invent; it's adapt. Mm. So you, you adapt things, um, also in of a course, new way that works for you. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you adapt. You, you, you haven't made the new machine; you've, you've bought a machine and you've adapted it. Yeah, you know? and that was still um, class as R and D. Yeah, and 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 also then you have things like processes. So again, you know, I can think of um, one of our um, network members um, who who has a bespoke marketing process, right? Which has you know five components, all of which on their well four of them on their own are off the shelf items, mm-hmm. um, and then there's like an integrated piece of uh, bespoke software. software sitting in the middle, bringing these all all of them together. Oh wow! Uh, so the four on their own are freely available to everyone. Yeah. But what what they have done is created a unique process. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, and, that, uh, uh, and then the, you know, you've got because the subject is wide. I mean, literally, research and development encompasses all aspects of a business. There, there's so it could be you know it could be the accounting system, it could be the order system. Sales through to making things um, waste energy, so you have low energy projects or environmentally energy energy product, projects. You know, mm. um, so the, the subject is so vast, and then so you know. So, for instance, um, let's take sausages as a good example. Um, hmm. You know, always a good example. Well, I think so because we do we do claims. We have we've done several claims for sausages (laughs) and and various other meaty things. So maybe that uh, uh, someone uh, makes adapts a process to make the sausage cheaper. Mm. Mm. You know, so that's that's the R and D. It's cheaper now. It's not processed, yeah. Mm. Or um, again, um, new ingredients. You know, sticking a new ingredient into an existing recipe on the face of it you say that to most people they look at you blankly like what's so clever about that you know now if you t- if, I, I, I always take the example of a, a frozen chicken pie which is to make the point you know so um, let's say that you've got a chicken pie and now the, the, the producer wants to produce a chicken and tarragon pie or whatever it was you know um, sticking in that extra ingredient changes the chemical nature of the products mm-hmm. okay I think most intelligent people would just about get that around their mm-hmm. heads you know um, so if you think about what happens is you, you have a recipe, you then make, you make the ingredients or whatever, in this case, you know, with the flat, with the pastry on the top. And of course, uh, in, in the case of my example, then there's two basic requirements, isn't there? That product has to be capable of being frozen. Then you have to be able to get it out and cook it. And it looks like a nice pie.
0: hmm
1: Maybe that by putting the extra ingredient in, the pastry collapses. Mm you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or it does something to the rest of the ingredients and suddenly the, you think it's going to taste lovely and it tastes sour or something. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that would be a very good example of something people wouldn't necessarily take to be uh, R&D. So it's really um, any situation where uh, there's a... It could even be commercial, you know. So uh, I often use um, the example of... Um, so let's say it's a business which... Um, supplies a service and it's looking after somebody and let's just say that for whatever reason uh, the market convention is that it needs two carers or two two people to look after one, one individual mm-hmm. um, someone might decide to invest in R&D and have an R&D project to see if they could get that down to one and a half people mm-hmm. so if you're looking after 40 people You've, you, you—if you were successful, you've gone from having a wage bill for eighty people for a wage bill to sixty people. Do you see what I mean? Oh,
0: okay. So it's so it's actually in. The so there's
1: there's, of... a, there's there's a commercial, you know, there's got to be, normally there's a commercial reason. Yeah. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a good example. Um, so if we take uh, waste companies, which are obviously you know, probably crushing um, crap that comes into their waste transfer stations all the time and trying to make something useful of it. If you look on any website of any waste company, they're all saying their, their target is zero to landfill, they say. Mm-hmm. So what they're trying to do is recycle everything. But probably uh, a lot of them are effectively producing the same thing. But it doesn't mean to say that the same thing isn't R&D. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just the, the way that
0: they've been doing it is... is well, basically what they're them. doing
1: is they're taking taking something that would have been a cost mm-hmm. and have adverse environmental uh, impact. adverse Impacts, uh, and turning it into a positive revenue stream, mm-hmm. for instance, you know. Um, again, you know, taking a real example, um, thinking about a large uh, a large client of mine historically, probably spent £3 million a year on landfill tax. Mm. So if I said to you that as the chief executive of this company, I decided I, did, I didn't want to spend £3 million a year on landfill tax, you would accept, for instance, I would probably, if I said to you... Uh, I don't know, just to give you an example. If I said to you over a three-year over a three-year period, I'm going to spend three million pounds on R and D to try and get my landfill tax bill down to as low as I can, mm. then you would accept that was a very good reason to do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, because you're just spending it on the three million yeah. on the landfill tax anyway. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's it's, it's really normally R and D projects, certainly in the in the uh, the commercial world. Uh, there's there's some reason why people want to do it. So, mm. you know, it could be the customer asks them to do it. They realise there's a whole of the market. If I was to do this, I could see everyone would buy that. You know, mm-hmm. you know those these sort of things. So it's um, it's actually a never ending li- unlimited subject. And unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, you know, I, I just walk around the whole time looking at everything and already <laughs> <you know? laughs> already yeah. Think and yeah so
0: it's it's how you document it i suppose because a lot of these things are um uh, just uh, natural natural things that are happening within the company that people wouldn't be necessarily thinking about r&d as they're doing them uh, but if you get more in that mindset let's like say someone's done one project the second year they'll understand more that uh, what they can class and what they can't or how to document it so it's readily
1: yeah obviously the the um The accomplished companies, let's call it that, or the ones that uh, have clearly defined R&D programmes, maybe working with universities, for instance, which is obviously a very good thing to do, um, they probably would do that already. Mm. Uh, Funny enough, uh, I set a question to uh, the team this week, which uh, was asked to me at a very good meeting I had last Friday with a fantastic new partner of ours. And the guy said to me, "Um, is R&D... R and D tax credits are they, you know, is it a big thing for startups? Are you interested in startups? So um, I, said, I thought it would be quite interesting to see what my chum's made of that, mm-hmm. uh, and it was quite interesting because I actually said to, I looked at him and I said, well, actually, because by the way my brain works, I've already thought of a holistic answer to your question, but I said, out of respect to you, I'll answer your question specifically first. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I said, which is a great answer to your question. I said, yes, absolutely. Because if you have got the clients from the scratch and before they've done the first year, uh, you can educate them into what records they need to keep. Yes. So um, th- that's probably in two parts. So uh, you encourage them to have an accounting system which properly records um, the information between the various cost lines mm-hmm. properly. So in an ideal world, you know we would be sent... A trial balance at the end of the year and it would have r&d codes in it and the invoice yeah. had already been posted to it that would be you know that would be perfect and some of our clients do obviously and that's what we try to do and then of course uh, probably even more importantly what you try to do is 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 to raise awareness in the clients of what r&d is yes so that they actually know what the R and D moment? So when they actually start doing something, ah, like, oh, this is an R and D moment. Mm. You know, I've got to change the way I do things now because I'm in an R and D moment. Mm. Do you see what I mean? So they 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 start documenting properly. Mm-hmm. Whereas what happens at the moment, you go and meet somebody and they're having to remember what they did. Yeah, you know, oh yeah, I did that last year or something. You know, and obviously, reacting is never as good as proacting. Mm. So um being proactive, you can you can sit down with the client explain to them concisely what R&D is give them examples perhaps you know show them other reports mm-hmm. uh, you've done for companies in their sector the sort of projects they've done uh, get them to understand and of course one of the things um, is, is incredibly important you know our, our, our whole uh, business ethos is built around the concept of know your clients mm-hmm. so uh, I of, probably my largest clients in turnover are uh, I've only acted for about six or seven months now. Uh, and the first t- time I met the board, this is a several hundred million turnover. And I basically said to them, I listened to them for a bit, and then I turned around and I said, gentlemen, I will deliver you a sub 10% corporation tax regime for the next 10 years as long as you do what I ask you to. And they said, well, what's that? And I said, basically, so I did my thing about know your client. And I said, I need to know everything you do when it happens. Mm-hmm. And the only way I'm going to do that is to meet you regularly during the year. Mm-hmm. So I need to see you probably at least four times a year before we get to the end of the year where we actually sit down and, you're, and we actually have proper constructive meetings where we discuss all the projects you've done in the quarter. And then I very much encourage people to take minutes, mm-hmm. things like document the people and the staff members that are working on the project, um, how much time they spent, Uh, who was supervising it you know what challenges experienced in that quarter that sort of thing and then of course you know what you're doing is you're building up almost like an audit record of of the whole process which becomes totally compelling and then when you're you know when you get to the point of actually trying to do a claim obviously it's unquestionable because you've you've whereas when you meet a new client it's really a case of uh, you know I'm telling you you're doing R&D they look at you blankly mostly no one not you eventually manage to sort of persuade them that you are they think that you're you're embarking on some I think most clients don't actually believe they're going to get any money yeah you know uh, I can remember um, one of my favourite clients uh, in uh and the first year I did their claim I think the money came in on Christmas Eve and the MD phoned me up and said are you sure you're not Father Christmas <laughs> <laughs> that's it, that's what it said <laughs>
0: Oh wow! <laughs> so getting all of the information down to make it easier is is massively important, and raising awareness in in in. So I'd really say to to people that are listening that may may not think they're doing R and D is to, is to um go and get get some advice, have a discussion because it encompasses so many different things. Um, the chances are you probably are, and the chances are you can get some money for it. <laughs> or
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um... I think if you if you said to, you know, an average person, um uh there's you know, you can you can spend ten units on in, in, in Drew's case, you can you've got there's two guitars. Um the net cost to you is either ten units or eight units, which one would you buy? The person would assuming they were both the same, you would eight you would look please. you'd, look at them, you'd buy the one for eight units, wouldn't you? And yet um what's what's so interesting is Yeah, going back to the comment about, um, you know, this guy that said he didn't want the revenue looking at him. You know, I find that, I I was going to use the word ignorant, perhaps it's a bit rude, but I just find it such an incredible attitude to take when all you have to do is to listen to the Chancellor's budget, Mm -hmm. to read his budget statement. And there is an R&D section in it every year. Yeah. He talks openly about R&D, how important it is. Yeah, innovation in the UK. Well, if you look at, you know, if you look at um, uh, the current time we find ourselves let's not get into a a Ah. discussion about the shambles in Parliament. um, Assuming we ever do Brexit, which I substantially doubt now. Yeah. um, Then... uh, I would have been I would have been very very optimistic that uh, I, I personally believe that Britain is the best country in the world at developing new ideas something about the way we think mm-hmm. Chinese for instance are rubbish at new ideas but fantastic at commercialising mm-hmm. commercialising copying perhaps even improving you know making cheaper for sure Japan's um, very good for new ideas um, so, no I wouldn't agree
0: with that did you know no yeah. I thought Well in Tokyo it was some for the the um, innovation of new technology phones and stuff. No, I think, kind of stuff. Just, I think
1: the Japanese are um uh, you know really really recognize the importance of innovation but mm. I, mean, I, I I would have said myself you know that um, and this, is not, this is not meant to be jingoistic or, or nationalistic or whatever the right words might be um, On the whole, I would say the Anglo-Saxon countries uh, seem to be the best at new ideas with one the creative one, spark with one notable exception which would be Israel oh um, so um, one thing you have to say about um, the Jewish race is you know and, and, and it's very sad that people tend to look at this as a negative thing um, to me it's just undoubted that they are probably man for man woman for woman the most gifted group of people in the world if you look at the number of Nobel prizes, oh, okay. uh, they, 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 they've, they've had about fifty times more Nobel prizes than they should have had, <laughs> proportionately to their population size, yeah. you know. Um, and so Israel is a hotbed of innovation. It's mm-hmm. a really massive uh, technological sector, and then of course you've got places like California, which are renowned uh, for uh, for, um, for uh, innovation. So as I say, you know, Britain, Britain is, um, is 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 the world leader, and it's so important that I think you know that innovation and entrepreneurial activity drives our future. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no need to be scared about anything. You know, uh, there's a whole big world out there. Um, one of the things that I'm quite fortunate to have is we 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 have a very substantial international network and very real. Um, knowledge and presence in certain countries, notably China, for instance. And I had a meeting this week with Professor Harry Thomason, who is a key member of our China UK project, where we've uh, we've we've established uh, a very real expertise, provenly so in inside China. Uh and the way I would put it is we've done it the right way. We have we've done business the Chinese way, not oh, okay. not said to the Brits Uh, The Chinese, hey, we're British. We're coming in, uh, we can drink names of lager and fall around the street, you know. uh, So we've got a proper Chinese company. It's called Wafi. We've got proper Chinese employees. uh, You know, proper, you know, we're well connected with the Chinese government. And Harry was saying to me that the Chinese um, are not fans of the Trump administration. They're very much looking not to do business with the Americans. Uh, And they have a huge respect for us because... Mm -hmm. And this is this is true generally. I would say, um, people tend to look upon Britain as a, 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 company, a country of quality. Mm-hmm. Now, tradition. People tend to think look at Britain as a country of tradition and quality, and we produce excellent things. You know, mm-hmm. people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, prof, you know, the whole reason we had the meeting was prof saying, Paul, there's going to be this explosion of work. We need to be able to ready for it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is the thing that
0: the the, the innovation that's happening in the UK, the government are rewarding that or 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 trying to um, uh, emphasise it by with with the with these things. So it's not something to be scared of; it's
1: something to really embrace. I had a fantastic meeting with Cardiff University uh, two and a half weeks ago, I think it was, and um, we were talking. You know, we're talking real facts and the. uh, the guy that was in the meeting was the, uh, assistant director, deputy director of research and innovation at Cardiff university. And he was saying to me that, um, for every pound, uh, that spent on R and D projects, sorry, for every pound that com- companies get in R and D tax credits, uh, they spend two pounds 30 on actual R and D. Mm. So that's, you know, um, so, you know, the government themselves, um, uh, I've done. have done. Uh, produced information which would suggest that um, the yields they get from the R and D scheme in terms of future taxes, etc., are uh, hugely mm. more than ten times mm. outweighs what they're giving out. Mm. So, really, our R and D is the future, isn't it? Um, you know, if you just look at our own industry, the accountancy profession is going through a massive change. You know, I'm always saying to people. That traditional accountants will will die; that they will have no place in in the world. Um, in in five years' time, the market will be made up of advisors and cloud-based technicians. Mm. Um, so you know, we going. So it's, it's very important that people aren't scared of that. It's going to happen anyway. Yeah. You know. So it's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, adapt. You know. Improve. Evolve. I'm I'm, you know as you know I'm fully committed to our own R&D program and I've said on the record in minutes you know that I'm prepared to spend many tens of thousands of pounds uh, because you know one of the things as well is you know we've achieved for instance um, a level of some prominence let's call it I I didn't said dominance but I'm not sure that's quite right prominence to the point where we are considered to be extremely good at what we do and treated with great respect uh, I would also go as so far as to say that in certain aspects of the market, we have no competition because we we stand alone as the only company that's saying, we, we understand you're all doing this. Mm-hmm. Most R&D providers are just looking narrowly at the obvious sectors. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, when you've achieved a position like we have, um, you can basically do one of two things. You can get all complacent and say, look at us, you know, we're, we're really clever. Uh, which I, I think is, a, is a, a completely foolish and ridiculous position to be in. So the position I take, which I, is what I always advise my clients as well, is never sit still. So if you've achieved a position of dominance today, uh, what do you have to do to still be dominant in five years' time? Mm. So another way of looking at it, which is how I look at it, let's just say, um, so Aspen wait for instance, off its own back, um Rebranded from being just a firm of chartered accountants to a firm of professional advisors six years ago. Most accountants have now woken up to the fact they're having to do that now. Yeah. So I've effectively gained a march of many, you know, in some cases six years mm. over the opposition. Undoubtedly, and I know this is happening. Undoubtedly, other accountants are now copying what we're doing. So my attitude is: go on, then copy me because you see where I'm going to be now in a year's time, I'm going to race away from you. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, we're driving around in a, a racing car that can go 200 miles an hour and they can only go 160. So they say, right, we've got to produce a racing car that can do 200. But by the time they're doing 200, I'm going to be doing 250. Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole point. is It's evolving uh, all the time. And that's why, one of the, you know, the reasons, the reason why people should do this is it's not only the most powerful tax planning tool there is, but, uh, R and D is essential to the success of your business. Mm. It's effectively and to the continued growth. Mm. I sort of look at it like uh, I'm reinvesting today's cream and jam mm. into creating to making sure I've got cream and jam forever. Yeah, if yeah. that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. And, um, and and what what are some of the numbers um, like uh, available? Like so people can look at it in that way. Like what are the percentage um, that you can get in tax credits. Um, you mean how does how does the scheme work? Yeah, just a little bit of information about that, because, like you said as well, it, a project doesn't need to um, be successful; it can also fail, and you can still claim. Um,
1: so the, the the scheme basically um, you you recognise your R and D expenditure, which is primarily uh, labour costs, so wages, directors, but also the use of experts and subcontractors and. And how prevalent that is really depends on what the company's doing. you know, mm-hmm. So you get that certain industries where uh, you, know, you could have millions of pounds of subcontractor costs. Mm-hmm. So um, I always see that my basic prime job when I'm working for a client is to maximise the labour spend first and foremost. Right. The way that the, the revenue, are, the inland revenue, are set up in terms of our thought process, they very much also tend to think that projects are labour-based. But I remember right at the start of my journey actually doing um, quite a large claim for um, a company that made machines Mm -hmm. so the claim was actually predominantly materials Mm -hmm. they were actually making new machines so what you would call prototype Um, so the whole cost of a prototype is allowable for tax so in this particular case they didn't have very very many employees so probably 60% of the claim was made up of machine costs Mm -hmm. you know Uh, and, and, and the actual inspector phoned me up (laughs) <laughs> and said, I don't have much experience oh, well. of this.
0: Because mm, most of labour.
1: Because he, he came from a pharmaceutical background, as it turned out. Um, although, uh, just for the for listeners, but the, the, the revenue officers generally are are not very pre- uh, scientifically based, shall we say, mm. which can be, can be uh, a problem, actually. But in this particular case, the guy um, who I was talking to uh, understood pharmaceuticals quite well, Uh, And with pharmaceuticals, the claims you know like ninety nine percent labor and one percent something else. Mm -hmm. So um, I spent about an hour describing to him this, and he actually thanked me for educating him and passed the claim. Mm. Um, So effectively, I said the most, the main thing is is the labor costs. But then, depending on what the project is, so in this case, it was a new machine. You make sure that you record the costs of what the machine, you know, all the consumables and materials. Um, You're also allowed. the legislation talks about anything consumed in the process of making, of doing the R&D. So that could also be chemicals or uh, energy costs, for mm-hmm. instance. You know, so again, it's very important that you understand the legislation, which we do inside out, mm-hmm. to know what you can and can't claim. You know, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of things that people think you should be able to claim, which aren't. So notably, hire of plant, use of any use of plant, plants and capital equipment. Uh, I think it should be allowed, but it isn't um and also the thing that surprises people is um money actually spent on developing intellectual property so patent costs uh costs of lawyers that are protecting IP um are are not allowed
0: oh okay
1: so uh effectively what happens is you identify a pool of costs you've got those costs in order to do an R&D claim have to have been in the profit and loss account already so you've already got corporation tax relief on them once right and then what happens is is uh, and people look at you like really uh, you then get those costs allowed 1.3 times again. So you actually, so every pound of R&D, you get £2.30, in effect, uh, in, in tax benefit. So, you know, uh, at, at the old tax rate of 20%, it's quite easy to do the math. So basically, uh, a company was getting 46% tax relief. Yeah. Wow it's getting two, two, 2.3 times at 20% so it's getting 46% if it spent £100,000 the net cost was £54,000 mm. so it's roughly you could say to people um, R&D is roughly halving the cost of of any decision you know which is which is, which is really cool and so, is it
0: different for if the um, project fails or if it is successful? No, no,
1: no, no. no. It, doesn't make, no it doesn't make any difference for for um, in terms of the claim value as to uh-huh. whether it's, whether. Uh, in fact, having having failed projects is extremely useful because the revenue have this. I think rather absurd test about whether a project, um, whether the, whether the project, um, whether a competent professional I call it, whether a competent professional could have reasonably have done, you know, what these people did. Now, of course, you know. Uh, having worked with inventors myself for something like 30 years and to some extent also you know in in some small way being an inventor um the reality is is that most great inventions aren't necessarily don't necessarily blow your mind when you look at them you go wow Mm -hmm. that's really simple why didn't someone else done that so for the revenue to sort of turn around and expect so it's not so much that you know, it's so technologically clever that no one could have thought of it. It's no one had thought of it. Mm, mm, do you see what I mean? Mm. So it, anyway, uh, unfortunately, although it's absurd, it's on the record, so we have to we have to live with it. Um, and uh, one one thing I love about failure is if you failed, it was obviously difficult, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> do you see what I mean? I mean, failure is 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 the acid test that you didn't know how to do it, and that therefore you failed. So. You couldn't possibly have a competent professional could have done it because no one did do it. It failed, so um, yeah, there is no difference between failed projects and um, successful projects. Oh, okay, so yeah, I've,
0: well, I, th- I think we've covered l- not all of the bases, but many of the bases in 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 that episode. Um, we hope that you have more of an idea about R and D, um, and and we would really say go get some advice from from the professionals because the chances are that you have R&D in your company
1: yeah absolutely um, you now I think it, it, it would be uh, quite a rare individual listening to this or you know if you've got a friend that you know is, is totally au fait with research and development mm. and all things to do with it um, we our, our whole programme is based around success so there's no cost whatsoever um, to use us we we uh, have a team of extremely skilled people who are in their own right proven innovators mm-hmm. over a very long period we understand how things are done how to record them we can actually add value to projects mm. um, and and so really um, you know a client has nothing to lose because the worst that would happen is uh, you know you try and you get nothing now uh, as far as I'm aware that's never happened in our history wow. uh, we, we know we've never that's never happened and you know, nearly well, I suppose that probably every day and certainly every week um, we get an email from a new customer the first time the claim is paid out I had one this week for a, a new client in Devon's in the in the catering industry and uh, I, I said uh, to this guy you know please to say your claim is paid out can you let me have your bank details mm-hmm. and he's like wow you know, <laughs> so like, wow you know I can't believe this mm. um, and what happens is you make you make such a Huge contribution and difference to people's lives. Mm. You know, I've got numbers of clients who said to me, "If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't love my business." Uh, it completely transforms people's attitude to investment which is obviously the whole point of it, yeah, yeah. You, know, it takes the, you know one of my new sayings is taking the fear out of business
0: and this is it and it's not just one. you invest in it once and that's it this is yearly you get your projects and you can, you're you doing it yearly then so you are getting these benefits
1: every year yeah I mean what what I particularly like is and we've got several people who are now doing this the really smart people turn around and they say do you know what um, even if we didn't know we were doing it we really ought to do this because you know, it's a real big thing, and if we do this properly, it's a clearly you know got consi- considerable tax benefits, not not least anything else. So, you know, we we've worked with a number of our clients who have gone on and, and, and really do um, fair to them. You know, gone out and then set up their own R and D divisions, for instance. You know, or um, gone got and started actively collaborating with the local university, which is always a good thing to do. So. Um, message to people is r and is your future investing in r&d now creates profit for the future it also creates a fantastic way of differentiating yourself from your competitors so it's really cool for marketing as well mm. so it's basically you can't afford not to do it so mm. that's my final word to you mr drew awesome thank you very much paul
0: and the time in the episode now for Four, four. The last little song that we're going to play out out for you guys. What have you been listening to this week,
1: Paul? Yeah, I've been listening to some um, some interesting stuff this week. A lot of Arcade Fire and um, BRMC, Black Rebel Motor oh, okay. Club. Uh, Spread and love like a fever. <laughs> I really like bassy stuff, you know, bass driven. Um, what, what I love about Arcade, we're going to pick an Arcade Fire song today. Um, they were um, one of Bowie's favorite fa- uh, favorite bands oh,
0: okay.
1: um one thing i'm very proud of as you know i love the dandy warhols so mm. dandy warhols were officially david bowie's favorite band mm. but arcade fire were right up there uh and in fact he collaborated on their 2013 album um whose name i should remember because i was only reading about it last night but <laughs> i've forgotten but um in 2005 and i hope that drew can find this track in 2005 uh, bowie was joined by arcade fire uh at a big gig in new york uh, which I think was called something like something rocks I can't remember what it was now it's like rocks it was um, and when you listen to this track uh, it's staggering how well suited Arcade Fire's music is to Bowie's voice it's like they were made for each other in fact um, on the 2013 album uh, Bowie got to hear some demo tapes and apparently he approached obviously having already befriended Arcade Fire in 2005 there's a lovely story about him going out take them all out for dinner oh, nice. uh, after the gig and he basically heard the, 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 the stuff off the new album, and he said, look, if you don't let me play on these two tracks, I'm going to nick them off you, because <laughs> I think they're that good. So he, he actually ended up on their 2013 album. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, it's quite moving tributes to him when he died from them, you know, saying what you know he was just the best bloke ever, you know, and how much they inspired. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the track I picked today, I, I, I think it's called "Wake Up." So i, I, I do apologise if it's wrong. It's definitely it's either "Wake" or "Wake Up" by Arcade Fire, <laughs> live uh, with David Bowie. Yeah, I hope the I think I think Drew will be able to find this. Certainly, um, I, I was able to. <laughs> um, it's it's um, it, it's cool because um, I don't think the the original song which in itself is great. Um, it doesn't lose anything uh, through uh, the addition of Bowie, and I just think. Um, it's quite, it's quite cool to listen to live tracks. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about Arcade Fire, we were, uh, my wife and I had a discussion last night about the definition of true genius because I often like to tease her and say that I'm a genius and she says I'm not. Um, and what I, what I like about Arcade Fire is I just don't see where the music comes from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you listen to people and you think, ah, I can hear... So, for instance, uh, the stranglers, but the influences, the stranglers, yeah. the Doors, yeah, you hear the Doors in every strangler song, you know. Um but they're like they're the Beatles, for the instance, pieces. Oasis. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the Oasis are so influenced by the Beatles. It's yeah. untrue, yeah. you know. You listen to Arcade Fire and you think, where does that come yeah. from? That's really weird yeah, stuff, man. You know what would make someone run around banging drums and, <laughs> and, you know, and and and, and innovation. They up, should do an R and D claim. Yeah, music. And the way that song. You know, and uh, 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 my fr- I remember when I first heard Arcade Fire uh, this particular song. I, I actually, um, uh, I, I, it reminded me of Red Indians. Oh, so okay. I don't think, oh, I think ah, I'm gonna like this one ah, now. Yeah, yeah. No, a so it's, anyway, yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a really cool record. So, uh, Arcade Fire are a really great, innovative band from Canada. So, uh, really recommend this to you. So, this is them with David Bowie in two thousand
0: and five. Awesome. Enjoy, listeners. See you next week.
1: This is a great song by Arcade Fire. It's called "Wake Up."